Hi, and welcome back to the Beyond the Pulpit podcast. I'm Senior Pastor George Strunk. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Reverend Tom Greeb, Linda King, and Dr. Jean Hawkshurst, who are part of Kentucky's delegation to the special session of the General Conference in 2019. We talk about the purpose of this special session, what we know about what will be presented, and how the delegates go about preparing. Let's get started. So let's uh, let's talk about um, the purpose of this special session of the General Conference. Normally, the General Conference meets every four years, but now we're going to meet again before 2020 and 19. Why are we having this special session of General Conference? I think that uh, 2016, we found at our found ourselves at a place where we had uh, found ourselves many times at every General Conference. Uh, where, you know, these same things being talked about, discussed, debated, uh, you know, the, the sort of press in which we find ourselves, even the drama of that, it's really quite something just to, to feel that. And is, is there another way to, to try to get at uh, some of the impasse that we experience in the United Methodist Church? And so the conference, uh, in its wisdom, uh, voted to lean on the Council of Bishops, to prevail upon them to, as I'd said earlier, to lead us. And in that, they uh, came forward with this commission on the way forward, made up of some bishops, of certainly persons from around the world, lay and clergy, a very diverse group. And they've been uh, been meeting over the last couple of years uh, in, I think, a transparent way. Their discussions, you know, it's not drilled down to the, you know, what has actually been said, but they've reported to the church all, all through. So the, the long and short of it, uh, at the last session of General Conference, in the, the mix of our discussion around human sexuality, uh, the decision was made to, uh, to take a breath, to pull together a group under the leadership of the, of the Council of Bishops, to consider the uh, uh, a way forward in regard to the impasse that we seem to have with human sexuality. And so we find ourselves in this special session dealing with with just the issues around uh, human sexuality and not just the, uh, the commission's report. The Judicial Council has ruled that others can bring petitions, can submit petitions, uh, and there's, uh, there are processes for that from around the church, but they must be uh, directed toward the subject at hand, again, human sexuality. So not only will we be looking at the commission's report, but other, uh, other petitions that will come. And so we'll meet for effectively three full days to deal with those petitions and that report of the commission, and we'll see where we are at the end of uh, at the end of the day. Right. Another thing I would say about our bishops is that, that they are our spiritual leaders, and you know, quite quite honestly, at, at General Conference 2016, we just said we need your leadership. Um, kind of on our knees with our hands open saying, we don't know where to go from here. We need you to lead us. And so that's how the commission got started, as Tom said. The discussion on human sexuality has been going on, I know, 
longer than I've been going to general conference. Tom, am I right? Oh, and sure. It's it's every time, and we just came to the pass where, Lord, help us. Give us some guidance. Bishops, give us some lead, leadership to what we can do with the Lord, to, to direct us what the Lord wants us to do. So we just came to that, and uh, mm-hmm. here we are today. Is there a way forward? Is there a way and forward? And what, what is that way? Mm-hmm. And so we consider that. So there's been a lot of work done ahead of this general conference to deal with the issue about human sexuality and our inclusion. We have some documents that guide us on that. Our discipline makes different statements. On the one hand, it says that all persons are persons of sacred worth in the eyes of God. But it also says that um, the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching, uh, the Bible's teaching in our view. To solve that impasse and to deal with the practices regarding human sexuality, some proposals have initially been presented by the commission. Tell me what you know about what's going to be presented. That's that's a good question because the honest answer is we don't know yet, right? Um, Because we asked the bishops at General Conference for the help. They set up this commission on a way forward. The commission did their work for 18 months thinking they were going to present their report to the bishops who would then do what the bishops needed to do with it to make make it say what the bishops wanted it to say, and then the bishops would bring it to the general conference. Um, But that's not, in the end, what is happening uh, because the Judicial Council suggested that it might be more appropriate for the report to come directly from the commission. So the commission is having to backstep, and they wrote the report that that we have received, and um, that's what will be presented yeah. We don't know what will happen to that report once it gets to general conference. So, I mean, we can talk about the three plans in general terms, but we don't know right. if that's exactly what we will end up voting on. And we can't do that, I, you know, but to, to follow Jean and, and her remarks. Uh, so basically, as of today, uh, we, and we're, uh, we're, we're meeting uh, here uh, at the end of August, the, the report is with the Judicial Council for them to expressly consider the constitutionality of the, of the, of the three uh, uh, possible uh, possibilities here. And, and, and I hesitate in even saying three possibilities because we, we never know how things will, will end up once they hit the floor in the discussion of general conference. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, first the one church plan where there is uh, flexibility for uh, individual clergy to decide um, in, in regard to um, uh, uh, fundamentally um, leadership at uh, same-sex unions, uh, for, um, for conferences to decide in regard to um, the ordination of uh, uh, self-avowed practicing homosexuals. Uh, and, and those decisions are made uh, individually with clergy. They're made, uh, they can be made at local church level. They can also be made at um, at the conference level, so there's uh, there, there's a freedom and flexibility for uh, person for 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 persons for uh, for clergy persons for for churches conferences 
to uh, begin to make decisions uh, against the backdrop of their context, I guess is the best way to put that, that the one church plan that we would still hold together being fundamentally under the same umbrella, but that but there would be a, a diversity of expression of United Methodism. Tom, would you say in, in the one church plan, uh, what I saw yesterday when we received it, that was uh, at the moment, the way it stands without resolutions and changes on the floor and the judicial council, that there's a place for the, for the traditionalists and the progressives in, in that plan, there seems to be that would that would be for uh, persons of, of those bent of that bent, whichever way for them to decide. Honestly, uh, it's uh, is it an attempt to uh, to head to a middle ground? Is it an attempt to for us to be able to to go on and and, and live together? Uh, you know, uh, but but I, I think everybody's got to make judgments on that. I think mm-hmm. traditionalists might. Uh, uh, might say that this is not a good direction for us, that I can't really live with that. And the same for some who have a more progressive, a more thoroughgoing progressive uh, understanding. So it it just depends on one's perspective. Mm -hmm. And there's two other plans that will come before us, we think. We think. (laughs) There there is a a second one which which does allow for, again, a a common umbrella, but uh, it, it, it is... Well, in, in just general uh, general fashion, a, a three-prong, uh, although it could be many, many, many branches, but, but effectively uh, one that's, that's uh, certainly more traditional, one that is more uh, progressive, and I would say maybe more thoroughgoing progressive, and then another that is uh, more centrist. And uh, instead of having geographic jurisdictions, which we have now, we have five in our country. And by the way, we might add that these plans... Uh, primarily, although not exclusively, but primarily are speaking to the church here in the United States. But the, um, the, 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 the geographic jurisdictions would no longer be in place, and there would then be uh, connectional conferences, and, and uh, again, uh, individuals, clergy, uh, conferences, churches, churches, conferences, uh, could could then align with those uh, connectional conferences. So a lot of decisions to be made in that. In our conversations, we felt like that one was uh, cumbersome in uh, in dispatch, just trying to overcome the constitutional uh, hurdles would be um, almost insurmountable, not impossible. I'm consuming. Let me just share, you know, that the Methodists are are uh, are diverse people in their thinking, to be sure. Eclectic, <laughs> uh, pluralistic, you know, that was a term that was kicked around years and years ago. So we find ourselves on on a, a broad spectrum, and we have always held ourselves. Uh, we've been together, but without tension and the dynamics of, that go on in that. So there, there are on on either side of, uh, of whether progressive or traditional, there are persons that that are uh, you know more thoroughgoing in those understandings, and and others that that you know as as you move to the middle, <laughs> uh, you know may take a, a softer stand. 
um, you know, persons. So we'll say in, in regard to, to uh, progressive, they would want nothing less than, than for there to be just a, a, a wholesale uh, reception of, of, uh, uh, and, and liberalization in regard to what's, what's stated in the, in the discipline or uh, for a lot of things in the discipline to be written out. And then others, you know, there's a lot of different ways to say, and the same would be for traditionalists as well. It's just, it, it, it's all a matter of perspective, uh, you know, all things relative. And it, um, and, and so not everyone is, is pleased with a one church plan for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And some on the, on the, 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 the sort of, uh, the, the, the edges of, of, of thinking and theology, uh, and I don't want to say that those persons, you know, are just out there. That's not that, but, but you know, more thoroughgoing in their understanding, you know, it's, it, you know, they're not willing to give more toward the center. So we have three plans that are being proposed. They will probably be amended in some way on the floor of conference, uh, and we don't even, aren't even for sure whether they'll come intact because Judicial Council in October may rule on the constitutionality that they're not allowed for, for various reasons. But if they are coming, and let's assume that, then the one church plan has a huge emphasis, and it was endorsed by a majority of the Council of Bishops, uh, a huge emphasis on trying to maintain the unity of the church and strengthen the church with all our diversity. Is that fair? Yes. Correct. And um, if I could just throw in there that, that, that the Council of Bishops worked very, very hard, and they they talked and they cried and they prayed and they worshiped together in and the majority did say the one church plan is, is is what they would prefer. Not everybody, but the majority. And, and the bishops are from around the world. Um, so that was a, a very hard decision. Um, but that is the decision that they made. It, it might be, you know, it did characterize uh, the one church plan and then the connectional conferences plan. There is a, a traditional plan that is a part of the report and and effectively it it puts things as they are but there is um, a, a higher degree of accountability and the processes that would hold all levels of the church accountable to what in fact is for the most part presently in uh, our book of discipline so there is the uh, one church plan then there is the connectional conference plan which also tries to maintain unity, but has some interesting structural changes to the church that may, we're not sure whether they can survive constitutionality question. And there's a third plan initially presented, which is a traditional plan. And the word traditional probably comes, do you think, from the fact it tries to maintain the traditional understanding of marriage and the traditional understanding the way that we have ordained persons. Correct. Yes. And, and, you know, we always use these these terms to characterize, and a lot of times they're very, very unfair, uh, whether it be progressive, uh, traditional, you know, I, in regard to traditional, you know, uh, you know, some would even say Orthodox Wesleyan, you know, or I, I've heard that bandied about even within our delegation. Uh, so the long and short of it, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the traditional is the is the moniker that has been attached to the one that basically asserts where we've been, but with, um, with a, uh, 
processes that would hold all levels of the church accountable to what's uh, what's written in the uh, in the book of discipline. So, those are a very weighty and difficult changes to consider one way or the other. How do you go about um, preparing to vote for that? How do you prepare as a delegate to for this session of conference? Well, we all started praying first three years ago and continue to and ask all United Methodists to. Uh, and plus uh, these three years, even at our uh, annual conferences, uh, we listen to members of the churches from across the state, uh, from across our conference, uh, from across the Southeast. I've heard, we've heard from many, many Methodists on all kinds of sides. And so we put all that together, which is really weighty. I think you all would agree, but we take it seriously. The people I've heard from, from Christ Church and from across the state, I take every, everything they say, I read it two or three times. I pray about it. I take it seriously and I have it in my folder and you will not be forgotten in my vote. How I'm going to vote right now, I cannot tell you. Uh, plus, we're going to have all of this reading and studying after the jurisdictional conference um, comes. So we have reading, prayer, and listening. Oh, that's what I have. That's <laughs> exactly what I, I was going to say. Reading, praying, listening, um, and and studying. Yeah. Yeah. And we are getting a lot of input, which is very, very helpful. Um, the, the two things that people can do to, to be with us, well, three things maybe, um, mm-hmm. write the letters, tell us, you know, what, what you're thinking. Cause we want to hear that. We want to know. Um, but also every day at 223, I know Christchurch is doing this at stop and pray for the United Methodist church and the delegation and whatever the way forward is. Uh, and then also on, on Fridays fasting, um, until lunch and and giving up that time and replacing it with prayer and, and thinking about what should happen. Um, if I can, shout out to Simpsonville United Methodist Church, too. They they made 24 prayer shawls for everybody in the delegation, and they were delivered, and, and everyone on the delegation has a prayer shawl that, that we are going to use as we pray continually for the next few months. So that stuff of... <clears throat> of praying and reading and studying. You know, I'd, I'd personally do that at, at a lot of different levels. Do that personally. So just kind of some long hours of reading through. Uh, there certainly will be a lot of petitions that we haven't even received yet. And it'll probably, you know, the way things are going, probably receive those late, but, you know, not not after the conference or anything, but, it, you know, there'll be very precious little time to really dig in on them. But uh, do that personally. And we do that together. I think to do that with uh, w- with the delegation is really important. We've begun that process, and then to uh, continue to, uh, to to do that with others that you you meet and 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 Gene and Linda have talked about hearing from others, 
And you know, we, we've all are now receiving emails, having conversations. I'd say in regard to emails, the best thing is put your name and what church you're part of. Just identify yourself. We, we want to hear from you. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a, you know, it helps to, to, to make the, what's written, what's shared, you know, come alive. Uh, but that all being said, I just think that we, uh, we, we come together. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be seeking out persons' opinions. I'm going to be asking questions, talking with folk. Uh, all that is, is a matter of that sort of reading and praying, reading, and studying, but doing that together. And then there is this dynamic that happens at General Conference, not only with the individual delegation, but as delegations that are faced with other delegations and in the whole, whole body uh, it, it relates to one another. And uh, not only in worship, but also in the work of the conference. So there's a, a part where uh, that's uh, part of the preparation. And somehow that uh, all of that comes together to help inform the decision. I was asked a question the other day uh, about how does our, they said, how does our delegation decide how they're going to vote? And I said, what do you mean? Well, you're all going to vote the same way from Kentucky. That's not true. Uh each one of us will vote our own conviction, our own what the Lord is leading us to do. So our delegation does not vote in one. Each one of us will vote. These um, three different proposals came from um, the commission on the way forward, which was 32 people appointed by the bishops from persons all around the world, lay and clergy, and some uh, heterosexual and some same-sex orientation. So there's a broad representation. And they were charged with this notion of come up with a recommendation about how we can move forward. So that was the source. What would you add to that about the source of where these proposals came from? Three three bishops were chosen to lead the commission, and, and they are um, a bishop from Florida, a bishop from West Virginia, and a bishop from Africa, partially to um, have a woman have somebody from outside the United States, and, and then the other one happens to be the president of the Council of Bishops. Right. Um, I'm glad that you all want to receive feedback. I'm glad you are receiving feedback. Some of it I know is more constructive than others, and I really want to reinforce what you said, Tom, that if people send you uh, letters or emails, they ought to have the integrity to put their name on it, where they're from, and the church that they are part of. That's only fair. Other, other things I file away in the trash can. If nobody's going to sign it, and probably you would do the same thing. Um, but it is, I'm glad you're open to that. Here's a question that came to me when I was asking some persons. Between now and February 23rd of next year, what is the biggest factor that you see influencing your vote? Direction of the Holy Spirit um, speaking to my heart. I would agree with that. I want to be diligent in prayer. I have said to myself, uh, even most recently, that really to dig in in with Scripture— uh, to, to get a sense of the whole of Scripture, not just uh, focused in on select passages, but to, but to hear the, the, the whole of Scripture in regard to, um, to, to the issues that are before us. Um, at, at, at the end, it becomes a, a really uh, significant spiritual um, process. 
can be swayed by what people's argumentation, be swayed by what uh, persons say around you, uh, friends, uh, whether it be lay or clergy, um, situations that you're in your in your own context, um, you know, in your own church, community, all those things weigh into it. But at the at the at the end, I, I pray that it is a, a deeply uh, spiritual response. It's a godly, a godly thing in the end. So I'm glad you want to listen to other people, but I do think listening to the Holy Spirit is the most important thing, which is why, as you said, Gene, this uh, invitation to pray and to fast is so important at this point in the life of our church. And so every day at 223 to 226, representing those dates of a special session next year, we're asking our people to pray and uh, to pray for the delegation, pray for the delegates to conference, to pray for our church. I know I'm praying for unity in our church and to pray for themselves because I think sometimes we can be stumbling blocks. I know people want to make statements that sometimes don't come out in the most loving ways. And so I keep praying for myself that uh, I'll not be a stumbling block to anyone. Uh, We'll put uh, the... The names of the delegation are on the conference website. We'll probably attach this some way that people can contact you, but also a reminder about prayer. And I will also say, George, in in that regard, that our uh, communication office with the uh, Kentucky Annual Conference will will have that same information on the conference website. We're also going to be working on a a set of uh, not so much talking points, but, but, but important points, not only about the commission's work, but, but other things that we're, we're talking about and thinking about um, in an effort for us to, to be transparent uh, and then also for there to be dialogue as, as we move closer to uh, the February conference. I would also say I think it's important for everyone to know, uh, and uh, Reverend Strunk will let us know uh, how every United Methodist can get this report Online, uh, we are not a secretive committee, nor is the United Methodist Church in any way. That was important for John Wesley when he set us up, and it was one of the reasons that uh, 19 years old, I chose the United Methodist Church. Um, so, uh, you know, I know we listen to everything. We're going to hear news on the television and the radio and online, but uh, you're your United Methodists get the reports, keep up with what's going on in our church. Mm-hmm. And, and as, I'm sorry, as Tom was saying, um, one of the things the delegation is working on is a summary of each one of right. the plans because they can be, they're a little bulky to, to sit down and read them. So uh, we're working on a summary of each one. So that will be available um, sometime within the next few months as well. In the notes to this podcast, we're going to provide the links to these materials, both the summaries and to the uh, actual document, which is 93 pages long. And if you want to, you can look at it at umc.org, who we are, General Conference 2019. So we get to the tougher parts of, of the voting and really that all of us are wrestling with at this point as we consider the issue of human sexuality that makes this session of general conference necessary for our church. And as a staff at Christ Church, 
we've tried to go a bit deeper on this issue to really talk about where we are personally with the issue and what God is doing in us. And I want to risk asking us to do that at this moment, um, to model for others about how this can happen in in their lives. Uh, And the questions that I want to ask are, first of all, how does the Bible inform you on this issue of marriage and ordination of persons who are of same-sex orientation? Well, for me, uh, Scripture is uh, is authoritative. Uh, Scripture uh, uh, gives us uh, a present revelation of what God is attempting to say at a given time and particular circumstance. Uh, it is a, a voice that has uh, been for millennia. <laughs> we um, we say to ourselves that um, on questions of theology and of uh, practice, uh, we consider Scripture, uh, reason, tradition, experience. All these things are important for me. You know, Scripture uh, far outweighs the other three. Not to discount the other three, but it does, for me anyway, far outweigh the other three. I, I think that Scripture does uh, speak of uh, leadership within the church. Certainly, it does speak clearly of of of, uh, of, of marriage, um, and so uh, uh, all those things uh, come into the mix. Notwithstanding, and this this is where I, you know not so much to qualify, but just to share the the sort of personal journey for me, the, the sort of. Uh, tension and dynamic is that all along in in in, in what the Bible shares and and, and says that I, I know that the Bible is very clear about love and to be present in the lives of people and uh, you know a, a great sum for me is from the uh, upon the heels of the love chapter First Corinthians thirteen where Paul writes in First uh, Corinthians fourteen one make love your aim. So for me personally, I have uh, I've attempted to uh, to make love my aim, and yet to hold um, intention the entirety of Scripture, and to uh, to be informed by the same. For me, I started with uh, Corinthians, uh, just like you, Tom, and uh, then I've been given other scriptures to read uh, on this subject, and I have read them and prayed about them. But I've read the whole Bible, too. Uh, uh, Parts of the Bible have spoken to me that uh, aren't certain scriptures for this subject, that have twisted me and turned me and made me think and made me pray. And uh, as I sit here today, I can't tell you uh, how I will vote, but uh, I truly feel that the Lord will lead me to do what needs to be done. I think this might be probably the most important question we're talking about. Mm -hmm, And um, I think we all, all Christians hold scripture as authority 
It is authoritative in our lives. It is our authority. The question for me is, how do you define that authority? And and my understanding of United Methodism is that it's not a literal instruction book given to us to say, this is what you believe, this is how you act, this, but it's it's a beautiful gift to us from God that allows us to connect with God through Jesus Christ. And in that is the authority of the scripture in my life. Um, in other words, you, you, if you are a United Methodist, you don't pull a piece of scripture out and read it literally and say, this is the way it is. Otherwise, none of us would be eating cheeseburgers or pepperoni pizzas. Slave owners would be releasing their slaves every seven years. No minister would be a female. No minister would ever be divorced. Instead, like Tom said, we read the scripture with the authority of the message that God gives us through Jesus Christ. And the major message in my reading of the scripture is that we are created to love God and love each other. The rest is commentary. One of the reasons I became United Methodist was I felt, as uh, Jean just said, that it gives me a a group of people to pray, work, study with, the Bible, etc. But it also gives me the permission to have a direct relationship with God. And all of these other things speak to me and lead me. But in the end, it's my direct relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's well said. Uh, we as Methodists have always held the scriptures authoritative. I'm glad I'm a part of a church that mm-hmm. has um, given me a relationship with the Bible that I take very seriously, but not literally in all situations. And the charge given to preachers is to rightly divide the word of truth. And that's often very difficult for me because there are so many conflicting parts of scripture that make it difficult to present the whole, you can pull out a text, and with the with this particular issue, there are seven or eight passages that people go to over and over again that are prohibitive about the issue of homosexuality. We debate about whether they fit uh, the current context of people living out homosexual relationships. But the weight of Scripture in the entire New Testament is about how do we include people different from ourselves. The very first time the church had a conference, it had to do with how do we include people that aren't like us? Can we? Should we? How do we do that? And we're still wrestling with that. But against those seven passages, this this notion of inclusion of people strikes me hard. I come from a tradition that has taught me for the 40 years I've been in ministry to say every time there's a marriage, there's a uh, God created us male and female for each other. But and, and that's probably a message that is more consistent throughout Scripture. Yeah. Uh, you know, from from earliest you know Old Testament even Christ's affirmation of that. And it, uh, and so that puts us at a point of tension in regard to marriage. Yeah, and we as Methodists have always looked at Scripture in the light of tradition, reason, and experience. And that's where it gets more difficult too, don't you think? Because 
my experience is, and this is the question that haunts me, is I've had a lot of persons of same-sex orientation in my church that I thought were pretty faithful Christians. And, and the question that I keep coming back to is if one of my children came to me and said, I was homosexual, how do I want the church to treat them? Mm-hmm. How should we treat them? So all of us, I do think, as you said, Gene, take Scripture very seriously and authoritatively. But sometimes it's not easy to rightly divide what it's telling us to do and how we're to love. Mm-hmm. Right. I think if this were easy, <laughs> we wouldn't be having a 2019 special general conference. Mm-hmm. And that's why it weighs so heavily on our hearts as delegates. But all United Methodists. We love the United Methodist Church. We know that we're about making disciples for Jesus Christ. We don't want that to go away in any way. Uh, So it weighs heavily on our hearts and souls. So when we have this discussion as a staff, the next question I ask them and I ask of you is, what are you afraid of right now? As a layperson, I'll just say, I don't want the United Methodist Church to split, become weaker, or go away. I see the strength in connectionalism. I see the strength in all that we do as United Methodists. Because uh, one of my friends that's of another denomination, she said, well, we just have a little bit of money here, a little bit of money of that to help the world. But the small church that I attended in Smith Grove one Sunday has just as much power as where I go, my large church Christ. We put our love and money together to help the world, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't want that to go away. That's my biggest fear. In a weak moment, Probably a fear of the unknown. Um, In a faithful moment, knowing that uh, whatever God's future is for us, that he will be with us and will will move us forward. However that may be defined and however that's lived out. But there is um, fear of of what what may be in a more... uh, a more carnal moment, if you will. Mm-hmm. The, the, the fact is, is that in regard to this conference, we have said we're going to make some degree of decision. And then those decisions ripple from individuals to churches to conferences and so forth. Um, even no decision is a decision. <laughs> so uh, and what, what the future holds then is... Uh, is yet to be uh, determined. Yeah. The Bible says, in Linda's words, uh, the church is of God, and it'll prevail. So, mm-hmm. right. That's what I was thinking I, um, when I thought about this particular question, and I think my brother and sister would agree. Um, Joshua one nine be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, and God's going with us into this. So fear may not be the right word. We have concerns, 
Um, but we know God's got this, ultimately. It's God's church. It's not ours. Yeah. Um, it, the great, yeah. great uh, Gamaliel story from the early chapters of uh, Acts, you know, if it's not of God, it, it, it's not going to not going to happen anywhere. Nothing you, but if it is of God, there's nothing you can do to mm-hmm. stand in the way of it. Right. Like George said earlier, I, I want to be used by God. I don't want to stand in the way of anything God's trying to do. Um, and I suppose that's my, my biggest prayer, that, that God will actually use us and we will boldly make this decision together. That's the way I feel. The third question is about uh, outcomes and its impact upon you personally. We actually received a letter from our bishop and a statement from our superintendents yesterday cautioning about reacting to things or making declaratory statements, and I want to certainly avoid that. But I doubt there's anyone listening or any of us in this room that haven't thought about some decision we made. Mm, Then what? So... I ask the question carefully in two ways. Are there outcomes of this special session of General general Conference under which you would feel you could no longer be a part of this thing called the Methodist Church? Or maybe put a little differently, are there outcomes that would challenge you personally? How would you respond to that? No, I'm going to remain United Methodist. Uh, I want to talk about the first United Methodist Church that I joined uh, in college. And I learned uh, in the summers when I would come home to teach Sunday school and be in the choir and hear of things going on in the church. And sometimes the church, uh, you know, somebody wanted this to happen and some group wanted this to happen. And there was great discussion in this small church. And at the end of it, they would uh, make the decision of which way what was going to happen And every time I saw, and it was interesting, years later, my husband was appointed to that church, Hmm. and uh, he was amazed too. However the vote went, whoever wasn't for the way it went, that group worked twice as hard to make sure it worked. There wasn't animosity. There wasn't, it was, we're going to make this work. And uh, whatever happens that's my prayer. I'm not going to leave the church. I'm going to help make it work. I guess at the end of the day on this, that there'll be opportunities for, for persons uh, to move forward with integrity. You know, if we remain the same, if we're under some sort of uh, umbrella that, um, you know, has uh, has varied uh, directions to it, if... Uh, I think persons, you know, could could give the, have the opportunity, and I'm talking about clergy here, to 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 be able to to relate, uh, no longer relate to the United Methodist Church, or to to form with an, another another body. Um, so I, I I think that um, that there will be um, opportunity for for us all to be able to consider where we are. And to to then move forward with integrity. There's been a term that's been um, kicked around here over the last couple of years 
Never, uh, never would have thought it was, I'm not even sure it's a word, but it's compatibilist. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose that uh, that's where I am. George, you had asked, would there be anything where you'd, you'd, you'd move on, make decisions to do something else? And I, I, I don't see that right now. If I'm a traditional compatibilist, and there's even been some doubt if you could possibly be such, but, you know, I would be that. But, um, you know, I, I do... I do want to be a part of a church where I can um, continue to minister and to share with integrity and in all love. And and even as I, I speak that, that may even um, sway, you know, how things resolve, you know, when it comes time to vote and to dialogue and so forth, that general conference itself, to be able to move forward with integrity. And I think everybody will be given an opportunity to do that anyway. I think at the end of General Conference 2019, we will be a different church. Whatever happens, there will be differences that come out. Um, We're going to be okay because, like I keep saying, God's got this. So no matter what happens, it'll be okay, but we will be different. And I, with all my heart, want to stay in the church of my birth and baptism and confirmation and ordination. I want to stay United Methodist with all my heart. I think the thing that would challenge me is if my brothers and sisters chose to ask people who believe like I do to leave. That would challenge me. And it would hurt a lot, um, but we'll get through it. For a long time now, I've told uh, the people of Christ Church that I think the church is the only place left in society, in this very divided society, where you're asked to be in community with people that may think and feel differently than yourself. And I think that is one of God's signs to the world, that there's hope if we can find a way to do that. What would I'll remain like you, Linda, a United Methodist. This church has uh, baptized me and confirmed me and called me and married me and sent me and trusted me. But it will be a challenge if the church changes to where we say to some people they're no longer welcome uh, because I do believe God loves everyone. Thank you for joining us. In our next episode, we will wrap up our conversation about the 2019 special session of General Conference by looking at the potential implications of each plan as currently written and hear final thoughts from our delegates. Check the notes for this podcast for links to more information. See you next time.